Oh, has he been good to anybody here? Come on, we give him praise today. Hallelujah, he deserves our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know God has been faithful to me in the past. And if he's kept me in the past, he's going to keep me today and he'll keep me tomorrow, right? Because he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. If he's been faithful to you, he still will be faithful to you in the future. Amen. We know that God doesn't change. We need to make sure that we're faithful to him, right? Man, we want God to be always there, but God wants us to be there as well. Amen. And so I want to be faithful to him and to his house and, and to the body of Christ. Man, anytime we can come and gather together, amen, the faithfulness of God shows up. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst. I know, how many know that God is here today? Amen. He's moving amongst us. And if there's anything that you need in your life, you just lay it out to the Lord. You just tell him about it and he can heal you. He can touch you. He can set you free. Amen. Whatever it is that you need today, God is here to meet you at your need and your expectation. Amen. It's so good to see everyone here today. It's so good to have all of our guests. We welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray that God would speak to you and minister to you today. Amen. That we leave here. Amen. Not the same way we came, but that we leave here with more of Jesus. I need more of him in my life. Right? Amen. More than yesterday and more than last week. Man, we need a fresh touch. Amen. Amen. As our ushers come, we want to... Uh, remember uh, things that are happening, amen, as uh, Brother Richard mentioned about the, the prayer wall coming up, amen, and so be ready for that. Um, also, we want to, to pray for any needs, amen, Sister Lisa uh, texted there's an a unexpected death in her family, and so lift her family up before the Lord, amen, and how many, how many have a need, maybe it's your need or your family, you know somebody that needs get a hold of God. We know that God listens to our prayers and we're going to lift them up before the Lord. Let's do that together. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity. God, that we can come and gather together in this place to lift up your holy, precious name. God, we lift every lift every need up before you, Jesus. You know every need, every situation. We pray that your hand will be upon them. You comfort and strengthen them, God. Bless this offering. Multiply it for your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Let's come and give on the Lord and worship and giving.
Hallelujah. Isn't he been good? Hallelujah. He deserves our praise, our glory, our worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Kids Church uh, can be dismissed. Any kids that haven't uh, caught up with everyone else. Amen. And so uh, we're staying. We can go to the word of the Lord today. The book of Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. When Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment, poured it on his head and he's, as he sat at meat. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she poured out, poured this ointment on my body, she did for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Amen. And look at today, 2,000 years later, what are we talking about? Amen. It's amazing what uh, an act of worship can do and how it can change somebody's life, change somebody's destiny. That's why I don't want to miss out on a chance to worship God. Because you never know what can happen. You never know what kind of touch of, of God can come down in your life. Amen. When you pour your heart out to Him. And so I want to preach today from this title, uh, Vetted and Valued. Vetted and Valued. Turn to a few people. Greet them in the name of the Lord Jesus today. A long, long, long time ago, way, way back in the year 1994, 27 years ago, 27 years ago, a woman was cooking up some good old grilled cheese sandwich. How many like grilled cheese? And when she went to take a bite of the sandwich, she looked at the sandwich and something was looking back at her. This is where I pause for effect. Let the imaginations run wild. What was looking back at her from the sandwich was the face of the Virgin Mary. Somehow, when she was frying up this bread in some healthy, I cannot believe it's not butter, somehow, by the miracle working hand of God, the face of the Virgin Mary was burned into the side of the toast. So she refused to eat it. And as it turns out, this grilled cheese sandwich supposedly brought her family all kinds of luck. And so 10 years later in 2004, she slapped this grilled cheese sandwich on eBay and sold it for, you guessed it, how much? $28,000. $28,000, 10-year-old piece of grilled cheese. 
It didn't, it didn't mold, it didn't age. That's kind of scary in itself. But one year later in 2005, someone listed a Dorito chip, a single chip. This chip looked like the Pope's hat. And so you guessed it, it sold for $1,200. One chip. Not the whole bag that's jam-packed with air, but a single chip for $1,200. And so I guess I know what we are all eating for lunch today. Grilled cheese with a side of Dorito chips. You never know. You never know. But isn't it amazing the value that people will attribute to things? Somebody actually looked at that potato chip and said to themselves, yes, I think that's worth $1,200. That grilled cheese sandwich, yeah, I think it's worth twenty-eight grand. i will pay for that. And let me tell you, it surely wasn't me. That's, that's not how I value those things. There ain't no way I see, I see no value in those. The only value that I see is the nutritional value, and that ain't much either. So the term value isn't really fixed. It varies by each situation, every person. We all have our own value that we can add or attach to things. And some things have monetary value where there's an established market out there that declares a certain said value, like a, a gold or silver coin, if you happen to be have one of those. There is a set value for that out there. Uh, and, and so when buying or selling, the agreed value might uh, vary a little bit, uh, but there is at least a ballpark figure that you can work with. Um, and, and your house has a set value that an appraiser will set for it. But in today's housing market, buyers are seeing a lot of value in homes here in southwest Florida and are offering way more than what the seller even imagined they would get. And so way above the asking price, people are just gobbling up, making offers and buying houses much more than uh, what we may think they're worth. But if they're buying it, they see the value in it. And so they're willing to pay the price for that. And finally, there's something of that's called a nostalgic value. These items are worth more in memories than they are for money. Like Grandma's Bible, if you, you value it as priceless, while it means nothing to somebody else, they wouldn't buy it from you, but yet you'll never get rid of it because it holds this, in value, uh, this value that's worth more in memories. Value is something... Uh, some things you just can't put a price tag on, like a, a fresh start in the eyes of God. You can't put a value on a fresh start being born again. For, for God to wash away every sin in your past and every trespass and, and every bad deed that you've ever done, and for me to repent of my sins and ask God to forgive me, and he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, you can't put a price tag on something like that. There's no value that you can add to something like that, and you and I know that and we believe that. And that is why we are here today. That is why we come to this place to, to sing praises to God, to give Him thanks and to give Him worship for who He is. 
Yeah, we, we may seem a little crazy, uh, but that's okay because we see the value in it. We know what God has done for us. We know where he has brought us from. We know the life that we used to live, but God stepped in and changed things around. And so we saw the price tag of our sinful life. And we know that we could not pay the price because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That is what we deserve. That's what we deserve. Death is the only thing that we deserve. And yet people will walk around thinking that they deserve this and they deserve that. And this, why don't I have this? The only thing we deserve according to the word of God is, is death for our sins. And you don't actually want what you actually deserve because we don't, we don't really want that. And so I'm just grateful to be here. I'm just, whatever God wants to pour out, hey, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. And, man, I know I don't deserve to be here, but by the grace of God are we here today. And so whatever God wants to pour out in my life, I'm grateful for that. Ephesians 4, 2 and 4, but God who was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in Christ Jesus, for by grace are we saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We deserve death, but God says, hey, I'm going to step in and I'm going to give you life. I, I see the value in that. I see the value in what God has done and being born again and being baptized in Jesus' name and uh, having my sins washed away and, and being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. I, I see the value in that because I know what I used to be like and what I used to be worth and that was worthless. But now the hand of God is upon our lives, and now we are uh, precious in the sight of God. Aren't you thankful that God sees us, and he values us, and he sees something special inside each and every one of us? 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Aren't you thankful that everything becomes new in the eyes of God? Imagine with me that the car that you have is a 1970 AMC Gremlin. Now that, that just doesn't sound like a nice car. It doesn't compare, you know, a, you know, Corvette or a Camaro or a Mustang. That sounds nice, but a Gremlin. I'm driving a Gremlin. Uh, and so if you own one, then, then that's great for you. I personally see no value in that car. Uh, but uh, 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 it, the reason I said that car is because that car had popped up on one of the ugliest cars ever made. Many, many websites apparently says the Gremlin is one of those made it on the list. And so, but imagine your car that it, it's in the worst possible shape a, a car could get in. For us down here, that's when the AC goes out. We might as well just talk, drive it off a bridge. This car is worthless now. No AC. You're basically asking me to ride on a camel to work. Right? They both don't have air. There's no difference. 
But imagine your car, no AC, your, your windows don't crank down, uh, interior seats are torn to shred, and your car has parts from six different cars. Uh, it makes every embarrassing noise imaginable, every squealing and every cranking and clanking. Uh, that's your car. Everyone can hear you coming to work from three miles away. Yep, they're running late today. But they're coming. I hear them. But imagine you're, uh, uh, you're, you're there. I don't think I need to illustrate a, a gremlin car anymore. You got the point. But imagine taking that car down to the dealership. And they give you the keys to a brand new Mercedes Benz. You trade that thing in and they give you a Mercedes Benz. And, and they say, it's an even exchange. It doesn't cost you a dime. And you're going to walk out of there beside yourself because you know the value of both cars. You know what you traded in and you know what you're driving now. And deep down inside, you know that you don't deserve that Mercedes Benz. But if you were honest with yourself, you would say, that, that's not a fair deal, but I'll take it. I'll take it. You give me the keys, I'll take it. I'll drive that thing. Uh, and so you most, most certainly would. And so uh, we would definitely get the better end of the deal. Well, that's what God has done for our lives, in my opinion. That's what he's done. He's taken our old car, our old worthless, broken life, and he's given us a life that we do not deserve. That's why we praise him. That's why we clap our hands. That's why we worship and lift our hands. And that's why we weep when we think about all that God has done for us because we know what God has done and the value of it on both sides and we know that we're getting a way better end of the deal. The value that we get out of this arrangement is priceless. It's like God has done everything and we just, we've barely done anything to get all this. And so when I look in the mirror, I, I see the true value of myself, my, uh, my broken and, and worthless self and unworthy of, of a person. But when God looks at me, he sees something that I don't see in myself. He sees something of value. He sees something valuable inside each and every one of us. Otherwise, Jesus would not have died for us. You're not going to die for something that there, you see no value in. And so don't listen to the world, don't listen to the devil, and don't beat yourself up because God sees something valuable inside of you. You are precious in the sight of God. You are valuable to him that he, that because he came and he died for you. And so, yes, he does have a plan and he does have a purpose for your life. He has called you for such a time as this because God sees value in you and he chose you. And it doesn't matter if others uh, don't think you're valuable or not, God does. And his opinion is the only opinion that matters in our lives. Amen. And so what God says, that's who I am. I'm not going to listen to anybody else uh, because God has done so much more for me than anybody. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Too many Christians will look to the world to try to fit in and try to find their identity and their self-worth. Uh, from the eyes of the world. Well, that's certainly not the place to look to because the only one that we should be looking to is Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Because of the value that God sees in me, 
Look at what he does. Isaiah 61, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. He sees ashes, he sees your ashes and says, hey, I'll do a trade with you. I'll give you beauty if you give me your ashes. Will the world give you beauty for your ashes? Absolutely not because they are ashes too. And, and misery loves company. And so the world will always cut you down and, and beat you down and always tell you that you're nothing but ashes. But Jesus says, hey, give me those ashes and I'll give you something that's worth of beauty. I'll give you something that is valuable. I know it's not a fair deal, but hey, I'm going to give it to you because I love you and I see something valuable inside of you. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Why? Because he sees value in you. He sees something special in you. Who else is going to take your worst and turn around and give you their best for it? Who else is going to do that but God? That's why we come to worship him. That's why we magnify him because he has taken our very worst and he says, I will give you good things for that. Nobody but Jesus. In our text, Matthew 26, now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And, but when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Value is being assigned to this alabaster box. There are three values that are given to this box here in this scene at this moment in time. The, the first value that is mentioned is from Jesus' disciples. When they saw this lady break open this box and pour out the oil, the Bible says they had indignation. Indignation means anger or annoyance that is provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. They saw this, 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 worth, this uh, box of oil that was worth a lot of money in their eyes. And they saw it being poured out on the ground. And they had indignation. They were upset. This was, this was not a, a, a proper use of this oil. They were mad because they saw the value in the oil that it could be sold. And that money could be given to the poor. And they were upset that it was being dumped out. They said, it's what waste. This is a waste of oil. She wasted the oil. And so, Lord, help us. Here are his disciples standing there on the sidelines, critiquing and criticizing what this woman is doing. Let me tell you, the easiest thing to do is to criticize what other people are doing. To stand on the sidelines and point fingers and say, look at what they're doing. What are, can you believe what they're doing? I, I can't believe that. And to stand there and point out and criticize what others are doing while you stand there and do nothing. You won't empty your alabaster box, but you'll judge and criticize the one that does. 
as if these guys had reached some sort of superior place because they were with Jesus. And now they're self-righteous and super spiritual that they can now judge others and laugh and make fun of their sacrifice and say, what a waste, what a waste of time she is doing, uh, pouring out that oil. This woman is wasting this ointment. That doesn't sound like pride and arrogance. I don't know what does. So look at what Luke records, Luke 7, 44. And he, Jesus, turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. I came into your house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You're over there criticizing Simon. What have you done for me? You want to start talking, you want to open up the back can of worms. You're criticizing what she's doing. Let me turn to you, Simon. I came to your house. You didn't even wash my feet. You didn't even offer to do that. Yet here comes this woman washing my feet with her tears. And you're going to criticize and critique what she is doing. What have you done for me, Simon? You're going to get upset because she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Still, she is giving more than you are, Simon. You keep standing there and watching. Let this woman give, pour out her heart and soul to me. Verse 45, thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time that I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou did not anoint. You didn't bother doing that, Simon. We're going to be critical, and now it's my turn to be critical about you. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. You keep standing over there, Simon, and you keep talking, Simon. You, you keep pointing out all that is wrong and all the mistakes and how you do things differently. You keep standing there uh, all held together with your pride as this woman empties her soul out and all that she has. And we'll see who the world is going to be talking about 2,000 years from now. You see, we are no better than these guys if we do that to one another. If we, if we dare to compare one another to one another and critique and criticize, and, and Paul warns against comparing ourselves with each other and, and judging and critiquing one another what others are doing. You know what that says about us or about you? That you're just standing over there not doing anything. Standing on the sidelines, critiquing and criticizing what this woman is doing. The, the easiest thing to do is to stand there and, and do that. And, and so uh, we're, we're standing there not doing anything, pointing our finger at someone who is. And so if we have the time and the energy to worry about what other people are doing, then you obviously are not focused on Jesus, are you? Obviously not focused on him if you know what everybody else is doing. Uh, you, can, you think of this woman, you think this woman cared about what was going on around her? 
You think she cared about what Simon was wearing and what he was doing or what he was saying? No, this woman, all her focus was on, I'm here to worship Jesus. I don't care what anybody else is doing. God has done so much for me. I'm not going to let be distracted by the things around me or what people say or don't say. I'm here for Jesus to worship him and to anoint him and to wipe his feet with my, my tears and my hair. And so this woman does not care what is going on around her. And so if you're washing Jesus' feet with your tears, I can tell you that you are not concerned about what others are doing. And we can't move forward as a body if we are unhealthy and we're trying to compare with one another and critique and criticize one another. We all need to be in one mind and one accord, and that should be, hey, we're here to worship Jesus Christ. We're here to get closer to God. Why? Because of all that he's done for me and how far he's brought me and the life that I used to live. I don't care what he's doing in your life. I come to worship Jesus Christ because he deserves it. So we see the value that the disciples assign to this box. It's, it's a waste. What value does Jesus see in this box? He says what this woman is doing is priceless. It's priceless. You can't put a price on what she's doing. She's anointing my body for burial. I'm about to be crucified and killed and thrown into the grave. And for someone to come and anoint me and anoint my body beforehand, there's value in that. That is priceless. That is, that is worth uh, so much that money can't even buy that. If she had sold that money, uh, that oil for a stack of money, it would do me no good. That money is not going to anoint my body, but that precious oil, that alabaster box broken before me is going to do my body some good. It's going to prepare me for the next phase of my ministry. And without that, to be anointed, all oh, the value in being anointed. You can't buy an anointing with money or you cannot buy it with an alabaster box. But it all, anointing is always poured out. It has to be poured out and you cannot purchase it. And so the value of being anointed by oil, that's what Jesus sees, his value in this box. The third and final value for this alabaster box comes from this woman. It's her box. It's her oil. She is the only one who knows its true value and its true worth. Some have said that its market value was an entire year's salary. You go and work for an entire year and save every dime, and then you come and drop it in the offering plate. Then and only then do you get to the level where this lady's at. And yet here the people are criticizing what she's doing. They, have they given a year's salary to Jesus? It's no wonder that Jesus said wherever the gospel is preached, you'll be talking about this woman. And so we don't know much about this woman, but I, I think we can all agree that this alabaster box was probably the most precious thing that she owned. This was the best that she had, and she poured it out at the feet of Jesus. She gave Jesus her best because Jesus had already seen her worst. 
John 8 and 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken into adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they came unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And so what does Jesus say? He says, he that is without sin, let them cast the first stone. They were looking for a, a word from Jesus. Well, he gave them a word, and it wasn't the word that they wanted. He that is without sin, let you cast the first stone. We don't know the identity of this woman thrown into the street in front of everybody. But she is just one word away from being stoned to death. One word away, all Jesus says is, you're right, and boom, the rocks start coming. The Pharisees have the rocks in their hands, and they have the law on their side that permits them to kill her. And so there she is in the worst possible place, the worst possible condition, broken and beaten, and moments from mere death. And she's got nothing left. She's, she's got no more dignity, no more pride, no more self-worth. It's all uh, out there exposed. Just ashes and mourning and heaviness. Lying there at the feet of Jesus. Waiting for his response. Jesus has seen her worst. There's nothing left to hide from him. He, she, she's there. Exposed, brought light to it all, right there at the feet of Jesus. And, and after Jesus speaks, the Pharisees drop their stones and leave. And then Jesus asks her, where, where are your accusers? Because in order to be punished and to be stoned to death, you have to have accusers. You have to have witnesses that say you've committed such a crime. And she says, I don't see anybody. And then Jesus says, well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Uh, wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine being that close to death, right there at death's door? And had Jesus not been there that day, at that time, I think she would not have been alive. She would have been stoned right there in the middle of the street. She would have been killed. But somehow, Jesus happened to be walking right there at the right time. And there, she threw, threw him right at his feet. And here, his words saved her and spared her life and gave her a second chance at life. Where would you be? Had you not fallen at the feet of Jesus, where would you be had Jesus not passed by you? Had he just kept walking and let you keep on living the way that you were going, walking down the path that you were on? You now know that the path that you were headed down was the path to hell. And that's why we see the value in what Jesus Christ has done for us because we know where we were headed. We know what was waiting for us, the judgment and the condemnation and the stones that are getting that were ready to be thrown and cast at us. We know exactly where we were, and that's why we see the value in worshiping Jesus for what he has done. 
somehow it, it doesn't really add up. Uh, you were here, but now all of a sudden, now you're over here. You were broken and, and worthless, and now you're here. Look what the Lord has done. We don't deserve this. We don't deserve to be here, but only by the grace and mercy of God that we made it this far. And to that we give him praise. And to that we worship him. And to that we thank him and give him glory for the value that he sees in each and every one of us. Because if he did not see any value in us, we would not be here. He would have, he would have kept on walking and the stones would have been thrown. And we would not be here today. Musicians, if you would come. So this woman... This woman that was thrown to the feet of Jesus to be condemned to death. I can imagine the amount of gratitude in her heart from the amount of gratitude that I have in my heart towards what Jesus done for me. She was a lot closer to death's door than I have ever been. And uh, I'm grateful for the life that God has done for me. Uh, so I can imagine the amount of gratitude in her heart. And so you would think, you would think that she would be moved to go back to her house to grab the most valuable thing that she had left and say, I've got to give this to Jesus because he just saved me. He just spared my life. And, and maybe, maybe she is a woman with the alabaster box. And she is weeping at his feet. Those washing those precious feet with her tears and, and drying them with her hair because maybe it wasn't so long ago that she was there at, the, at his feet uh, begging and pleading and crying out to, to, to be spared. And so now she uh, has her second chance, and now she's going to take her box and break open that alabaster box, and now she's pouring it out. And uh, maybe she was keeping this box to spend on something valuable or, or precious or a retirement. But how can I pass up this opportunity now? He just saved my life. He, Jesus just saw me at my worst, and he did not condemn me. He could have he condemned me to death, and I, I deserved a death for my sins and my actions and my failures. I deserve death, but Jesus... He saw me at my worst, and he did not condemn me. And so now I owe him my best. Now I owe him my best. I cannot give him anything less than my best because he uh, did not condemn me. And so here you go, Jesus. This is the only thing of value that I have. I'm not going to give it to the world. I'm not going to give it to the world because they don't deserve this. They don't deserve this precious ointment. I, I would rather pour it out here and now. I would rather pour it out over your, your body than to let this world grab a hold of this oil and ruin it. I owe it all to you. I owe it all to you, Jesus. My worst, I owe it all to you and my best. I give you my best because you saw my worst and you did not condemn me. You stand with me today. We know, we know that Jesus died on the cross 
for the sins of the world. We know that Jesus took my sins and took my place. And he died for me so that I might have life and life more abundantly. And so he took the worst of me. He took my sin. He took my shame. He took my punishment. He took my failures. He took my faults. And had he not done that, I would be getting what I deserve. I would be getting what I deserve had he not taken them from me. But Jesus was crucified on my behalf. And so now I get what I don't deserve. I get what I don't deserve, and that is a second chance. And that is a new life. And that is to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And to be have a chance at everlasting life. I don't deserve any of those things. But Jesus said, hey, give me your worst. Give me your worst, and I will give you a chance to live a righteous life. So he's seen my worst. So now I owe him my best. So the question is, am I giving Jesus my best? Am I giving him my best? Or does the world get my best? Does my job get my best? Do I give more to my job than I give to Jesus? Am I giving my best to everything else but Him, but the church? Am I giving Him my all? I know that we are always giving. We're constantly throwing our sins and our faults and our failures to Jesus. And God, forgive me of this and uh, forgive me of this mistake. And uh, help me not to do this again, God. And I failed and I messed up and I, I made mistakes. I, I'm sorry for saying those things and, and thinking that way. And, and God, I'm a mess and uh, I'm a wreck. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Help me to get rid of all this filthiness and ungodliness and, 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 and sickness. We're always asking God to take that from us, aren't we? But what about our best? What about our best? Are we only giving God our worst? Does He not deserve our best? Does he not deserve our all? Does he not deserve our whole heart? To love him with our whole heart, our whole our mind, soul, body, and strength? Do I have anything good that I can give to him? Since he took my worst, I should give him my best. Is there anything good in me that I can give to, to the kingdom of God? Or am I only giving him my worst? In the Old Testament, when they offered sacrifices for their sins and their faults and their failures, in order to give God your worst, 
in order to give him your sins, you had to give him your best. Your sacrifice had to be of your first fruit. Your sacrifice had to be the best looking animal you had. It had to be the best looking bull, the one that the world would pay you lots of money for. That's the one that you had to give to God if you're going to give him your worst. If you wanted him to take your sins, you had to give him your best animal. You had to give him your best sacrifice, otherwise God would not accept it. God doesn't accept seconds. He doesn't accept the animals that are broken and that are lamed and that, are, that have spots and wrinkles and blemish, blemish. And so it would not be accepted. And so if you keep your best, then you get to keep your worst. Because the only way to get rid of your worst is you have to give him your best. And so I guess maybe our value of Jesus and what he has done for us and who he is can be seen in what we offer to him as our best. If we give him our leftovers, what does that say about the value of what God is to us and what he has done for us? And so the way that I see it is that there are two types of people in the room with Jesus. One that stands there thinking all is well and has the time to criticize others. And there's the person who is weeping at the feet of Jesus, giving him their best. And so which are we today? Which are we? Are, are we the ones that have the time to focus on what others are doing? Or are we the ones just lost at the feet of Jesus because of what he has done? Because of where he has brought us from? Because of what he has delivered us from? We, he took our worst and he did not condemn us. And so we deserve to give him our very best. And so I want to open up these altars today for those that just want to come and, and fall at the feet of Jesus to thank him for what he has done and to recommit your lives and say, God, you deserve my best. Forgive me, Lord, if I haven't given you my all. Forgive me if I haven't given you my best, God, because you deserve it. You deserve it, Lord, out of anybody, out of any person, you deserve it all. Would you come and worship him? Will you come and magnify him? Will you come and lift up the name of Jesus? Give him some praise and glory. He deserves it. What is it that you need from him? Come and lay it down at the altar today. No can worship. Pour your heart out today to him for what he has done for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help me, God, to give my best to you. You've done so much for me, Lord. No one. Can worship you for me. Even though it's been years since I came to you, Lord. My you still deserve my worship and my best. All of my worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. Receive my worship. All of my worship. Oh, I'm going to give it to you today, Lord. Here's my worship. 
good to us. We don't deserve any of this. He's seen our worst and he has not condemned us. He sees value in each and every one of us. So it's on us to give him our best. Even though it may have been years ago, I can't let time erode away what God has done for me. We can get too comfortable and just go through the normal day, everyday life and enjoying life. But we would not have this life if it wasn't for him. And if we're reminded of that every single day, if we're reminded of the feet of Jesus, the, the cross, we can realign ourselves with him and learn to give our best and to do better than we did yesterday. Amen. It's a journey. It's a struggle every day. But we got to make sure we're doing our best for him. Amen. Amen. Because I want to be with him. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming today. Let's go out there and give him our best this week. Not just at church service, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every week, every day of the week, we need to give him our best. God bless you all. If you want some bread, we have bread in the back. You can come and grab some bread. God bless you all. <laughs>